2: Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends. Every week, Dad and I, as you know, get together and we sort of just shoot the shit and just keep things casual. And it- this is basically our weekly bonus episode. And on Tuesday, Dad, you teased a story which was really intriguing and you insisted that we dedicate this episode to that story. H- how has the anticipation felt for you? Because you've obviously spent a few days kind of getting ready for this, haven't you?
3: Well, I have, Paul. Um, I appreciate the fact that you and I, oh. we do a um, a true crime podcast. Yes. And you've written two books about true crime. Oh, thank you. And then on Tuesday morning,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, as you and the listeners know, I wake up very early and drive to Manly to do, you know, what I do over there, Paul. But on the way, a message came through from Anne and she said to me, Dad... I'm on a train, I have a story, Mm -hmm. please call me.
2: A story that would be pertinent to loose units. It is now,
3: but at the time when I'm driving to Manly, she just says, Dad, I have a story for you, can you call me? Right. That's all I knew. Now, because I meet a mate over there, I had to do my run, so I ran with extreme excitement, but I didn't know whether it was a good or bad story. I mean, it could have been. Anyway, so I did my run and swim. I sat in the ute with with, uh, Mum. We sat there and we played uh, this quick message and then we called Anne. And Anne begins to tell us this story and she's still on a train travelling from Switzerland to Germany. And she tells us this story and it was such a great story that I thought, look, this would be great for a podcast.
2: For loose units. Well, Anne's actually, I mean, listeners have heard various family members And, you know, they've met most of the family by this point, but they haven't really met Anne. So you and I asked her to record an intro to this story just to kind of introduce herself and let listeners know who she is, what she does, and also just set the story up for you to tell. That's right.
4: Hi, my name's Anne. I am Paul's sister and John's daughter. I am a writer and creative producer. I live in Berlin. I've been living here since 2019 Uh, Also since 2019, I've been in a long-distance relationship. My boyfriend is Swiss, and uh, so that means I do travel quite a lot between here and Basel, the Swiss town that he lives in. I'd say I'm a pretty savvy traveler in general, um, which I'm quite proud of. I definitely learn a thing or two from mum and dad being ex-cops. You know, just little things like how to watch your back, pay attention, be aware, especially doing solo female travel quite a lot in my life. You know, it's important to have your wits about you. And from this point, I think it would be best if my dad actually recounts the story of what happened because as much as I like to consider myself a storyteller, let's face it, there's no one quite like my dad and my brother. So over to you guys, and I hope you enjoy my story.
3: Okay, here's the story. <laughs> so Anne, lovely Anne, she's on this train heading at two... Um, she's, this train's doing about 250 kilometres an hour. Right. Now, she had this bit of a feeling she was traveling by herself and it's a it's a seven or eight-hour trip um, to get back home to Berlin and she's got to get back to Berlin before midnight because of COVID restrictions because if she gets off the train, she can't stay anywhere and it's w- it's winter, it's snowing. She's by herself. There's only one other person in the train, an elderly lady, or in her carriage. She's in carriage number nine. And she, when she gets on the train, she puts her large blue bag, it's a massive, massive oversized Samsonite bag with a combination, and she mentions in her little preamble that she just had this weird feeling that um, she'd lock the suitcase properly using the the code.
2: So just quickly, this is, I mean, I'm not sure if our listeners have necessarily been on these trains, so... When you get onto one of these big kind of European trains, you am I correct in saying that you get on, you put the and then you kind of hoik your bag onto one of those rack things yeah, and then you yeah. go to your seat. But it's but it's within kind of spinning distance. You can't get to it, right? You
3: you can get to it, but yeah. you know I mean imagine you get on a train, high speed train, it's luxurious, it's it's snowing outside, it's mm. it's as Anne says, it's beautiful and warm. She's got all her gear, she even mentions her knitting, sweet girl. And there's one other lady on the in this carriage. So there aren't many people in these covid times, very few people are travelling, right? And she's well and truly into the journey mm. and her partner, Tobias, sends her a text saying, "Do you have your suitcase?" And this it's like the hand of terror reaches inside and squeezes her heart. Can you imagine being on a train, heading home, and you get a text from your partner
2: saying your, your bag, do you have it? Now it was Tobias back. So she's she was in heading Switzerland. back So she's heading from Tobias's to back to her house in her yeah. home in Berlin, yeah. right? So if she's left her bag, which has all her stuff in it, presumably she's She's screwed, right? Exactly.
3: And Paul, okay. can I just say to you and the listeners how incredibly weird that as you and I were just talking then, I heard a train.
2: Yeah, that's the perils of living near a level crossing. No, but isn't that amazing? We're telling it's... a
3: train story.
2: Yeah, it's live sound effects. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, dear, sweet,
3: poor man, <clears throat> who is feeling fairly anxious, mm. she runs back. To where she'd placed her massive, and believe you me, this is a big bag, folks. And Anne is, she says she's a, a world traveler, and but she's she'd she'd packed she'd packed a lot of gear in this bag. It was it was heavy, mm. and she goes to the spot where the bag was, or should have been, and it's gone. Her bag is not on the train. Now, I mean, I felt incredibly anxious for for Anne but imagine being Anne in that situation. She looks around and there's no one except this elderly lady and Anne begins to have a a sort of a mini meltdown and she contacts or gets back to, to Tobias. Tobias may or may not have been listening in during this whole situation but Anne communicates with Tobias and Tobias explains to Anne that a well, it's, it's really quite difficult to sort of know where to actually sort of come in on this story, but I'll just start by saying that two German police officers who were unbelievable, now this is all about incredible policing and going above and beyond. I just can't actually imagine this story that I'm about to tell I, with the greatest of respect to police forcing Generally around the world, this sort of um, effort that these two police put into this whole story was quite frankly unbelievable. So they're on patrol in this town and uh, in Germany. So Anne's sort of come over the border by now. And by the time Anne gets this message from Tobias, she's three hours from where her bag has ended up. But how on earth did the bag end up in this town in Germany? Um, so these two police officers, they're on patrol. They see a known drug dealer. They see this guy. And this guy is well and truly known to these two police. Guess what he's carrying? I'm guessing Anne's bag. He is pulling Anne's massive blue bag along the street. So they're they're looking at this guy and thinking, hmm, this is a bit weird. So they approach this guy and they say to him, is this your bag? To which he replies, of course it's my bag. And they say to him, well, if that's the case, you'll be able to open it, won't you? (laughs) Now imagine if Anne that morning had not set the lock properly, it would have normally it would, yeah, have it would have opened straight opened. up, and that would have looked very impressive to the two police officers. Mm. But as fate would have it, he couldn't open the bag. He was up shit creek without a paddle. And it, it became aware... It, it sort of, as the investigation... <clears throat> un- un- sort of unfolded, they-, they found out, they actually knew that this guy's MO was to board trains, high-speed trains, at mm-hmm. one stop, take people's luggage off the train at the next stop. And that's one of the things that this guy used to do.
2: So when and, did he get on, on, on Anne's train? At what point?
3: They're not quite sure what town he got on, but it would have been before... Yeah. Um, his town. Yeah. So he would have been probably... I mean, these trains don't stop that often, but he, he clearly had his MO to go to a town well before the town he lives in. Yeah. He then gets on board, picks a bag, gets off, and no one is any the wiser, let's face it, particularly if it's a fairly quiet station. I mean, wouldn't you he, expect would... someone to get off a train with a bag.
2: But wouldn't you have to pay to get onto the train? um no so i'm saying isn't isn't there a kind of like outlay for him if you pay so he can pay the ticket price and then maybe get off with a bag that is worth a lot more mm, and that's possible yeah or? yeah although there
3: are ways as you know paul i mean look at the tram situation in melbourne oh yeah plenty sure. of people just ride these things um you know and they and if the if the ticket um office is coming along you can always hide in the toilet well that's just what i'd do um and, yeah, and, and you know, look, I don't understand or know the, the mechanics of how this guy worked, but right. what we do know is that the police, when they saw him, thought, hello, this is looking as though he's, he's back to his old tricks. Now, a lot of police in Sydney, for example, and rightly or wrongly, it's a suitcase. They would probably take it to the nearest railway station, and mm-hmm. they would check it in, and there it may... Lie because there there were no tags on the bag at all, mm-hmm. but you know with all these suitcases you've got that really weird little universal key that security people at airports and customs offices you know that little special sort of thing that they no. can. No, didn't you know about that? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay, no. well, on all good international travel bags mm-hmm. is this special extra lock, and it means that. Um, certain organizations, um, you know, security organizations um, like Interpol and, you know, the FBI, um, you know, people that have got um, just cause can take your bag, um, particularly at airports, they can take it into a special room and they have a special key that can insert into the bag and open any suitcase in the world um, without sort of tampering with the actual, because they don't want to sort of destroy the lock and um, in fact that was one of the little niggling thoughts that I had was and I contacted Anne just a few minutes ago and said just prior to the podcast look Anne was your lock damaged and then she explained to me about this secondary thing that I knew about so that's what they'd used they opened up this bag at the police station so already they're going above and beyond and they found it was full to the gunnels of all her Christmas presents Five weeks worth of clothing, but really importantly, Paul and listeners, and this is something fairly poignant the engagement ring that I gave your mother when I was 21, the ruby and diamond ring, when I proposed to Christine on the way to Fiji on that inauspicious trip, Paul, when you or where you were conceived in Fiji, you knew that, didn't you?
2: Yes. <laughs> Well, Paul, that ring was in her bag. Oh, okay. I, first of all, I didn't know that Anne had the ring. Um yeah. But okay, so it's in it's in the bag. In the bag. And I don't mean to diminish the value of the ring, but I'm assuming, given that Anne was in uh, Switzerland for quite a while, it probably had most of her stuff. Correct.
3: Yeah, but also it had a beautiful gift from Tobias's mother and father. Right. And it was a, a, it, was a it was a really special gift. But one of the items... So imagine being police. You've opened up this bag. Mm. There's nothing in there at all. There's no paperwork. There's nothing with Anne's name on it. No address. No country of origin. And they take every single thing out of that bag. And they lay everything out. Now, this is policing, mate. This is, this is A-grade policing. And the, th- the thing about this story... One of the things that really affected me was how these two police officers, and I'll mention their names at the end, um, they didn't have to do any of this. I mean, honestly. But they did. And they located a brand new pair of earrings that were made by a particular maker, and they got on this particular maker's um, Facebook page and they sent her a message.
2: Wait, 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 wait. First of all, um, just backtrack a second. How, so, once they got the bag off the guy, hmm. right? I mean, what, what do they do? do? They do
3: they arrest him? Oh, he would do have they... been. He would have been. Up, yeah, he would have been arrested. That's a given.
2: But long story short, is he's busted. They've got the bag. They open it. There's no actual. There's nothing to really tie it to Anne at all. Nothing. But she had these earrings in the bag.
3: Yeah, and they had the label on them.
2: Were they the gift from Tobias's parents?
3: No, that was in an envelope. Okay, okay. But this particular set of earrings made by um, sort of a bespoke jeweler, she gets a message on her Facebook page. Insane. And she looks at it and she thinks, this is rubbish. She was going to delete it. And then she got this weird feeling and she thought and it said get ready for this contact these police officers in Germany about a pair of your earrings and she's pretty, actually thinking this is actually insane
2: that's pretty vague yeah
3: vague and and possibly nefarious and uh-huh. and weird yeah but she contacts them mm. and they describe that these earrings were found in a suitcase that had been taken off a train from Basel to Berlin. And then this girl thinks, Basel. Mm, hang on a sec. I've got a friend in Basel.
2: Is that how you pronounce
3: it? Yeah, well, it's not Basel. It's not Basel? I'm, sure, I'm quite sure, because that's like Basil Brush, who was a, Sh- well, a puppet. Sure. That'd yeah. be weird. Yeah. No, I'm quite sure. I think the local pronunciation is Basel.
0: Basel. Anyway.
3: Um... Now, Paul, this particular girl, guess who she's friends with? Dad? She knows Anne's partner, Tobias. She calls Tobias. And then Tobias realises that those earrings that belong to... And and here's another thing. The girl, the jeweller, also knows Anne. But at that point, they've got no idea.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
3: She contacts um, Tobias and then they start putting two and two together. And then they begin to realize that, in fact, it's... On the, on the balance of probabilities, it could well be Anne's suitcase. Tobias calls Anne on the train. In fact, when we spoke to Anne, she was still on the train recounting this story. But by the time she called us, of course, a lot of things had, had gone into, into, into motion, a lot of steps. Tobias says to Anne, the police have your bag. You need to get off that train. So then Anne thinks, if I get off the train, meanwhile, she's gone, she's 300 kilometres past the town where her bag and the police are.
2: Yeah, if she gets off the train, getting back into Berlin thanks to the COVID stuff is difficult. And also, what time is it at this point?
3: I believe it's um, in the afternoon, but it's heading into the evening. But look, the entire trip from beginning to end, Should have been seven hours, and it turned out to be 15 hours. She then has to get a member of the staff on this train to write her a new ticket to enable her to get off the train in sub-zero conditions, get another train back to this town. Now, that all goes well, and she was told that the police officers would be on the station, on the platform, waiting for her. So Anne travels back to this town. She gets off the train and it was fairly crowded at this particular station. Imagine when she gets off the train, she sees this fairly large crowd and then the crowd begins to part. And she sees two German police officers, a male and a female, starting to get a bit of a spring in their step. Mm-hmm. And they're heading to towards Anne, and Anne and these two police, they kind of meet, and it was very emotional. They were wearing masks, but Anne described their beautiful sort of sparkling, twinkling eyes, if you will, and it was very emotional, and Anne is a very emotional girl. She's a, she's a very lovely, you know, she's very sweet, and she couldn't hold back her excitement. I mean, the whole thing's just quite surreal, and everyone's sort of gathered around on the station, watching this sort of interaction and they then said to Anne that um, she had some um, they wanted to know about these particular um, this medication that was in her bag. Was it to they, verify
2: her identity, or no,
3: no, no? They they said to her, "Look, we had to. we going. This is German precision taken to a level that very few of us ever get to experience." They said to her, "We we basically apologise, but one of your tablets, which were sort of health tablets, you know, sort of vital to, to make you feel good," um, they said, "We apologise, but one of your tablets is uh, is you will find it's missing." Because we've had to take it away and have it tested, you know, to see whether it was a, a prohibited drug, and uh, you know it was all very sweet. And then Anne, um, they they said their goodbyes. Anne got all their particulars because she's going to write a letter to the uh, to the uh, to their sort of headquarters and, and thank them very much for going above and beyond. Mm-hmm. And um, and she got to explain that her parents were police officers. And yeah, it was it was sort of quite quite an amazing experience. And then Anne got back on the on the train and then headed back to. Uh, to Berlin, and if she hadn't have got off, hadn't had not have gotten off the train, um, I mean she just needed that. There was that just that tiny window to get back and, and, and grab her bag. Right. But but imagine the incredible. Um, what an amazing story of, of you know policing.
2: Was she presented with a kind of? I mean, what were the odds of? Was there a point at which she wasn't going to get off the the train?
3: Yes, I mean it was a, a risky business. To get off the train, and um, you know she could have kept going on. I mean, imagine the the logistics of getting that. I mean, she had to prove it was her bag anyway. She yep. still had to describe, you know, to, to do that sort of that with the handover. There needed to be that um, that verification. She still needed to, you know, ultimately convince. And she had to. There was a lot of paperwork involved, um, obviously, in in before they handed it over to make sure that she was, um, you know, rigid edge. Yeah, it was just. Um, I think it's an extraordinary story about policing because, unfortunately, um, I a few years ago I bought a very um, unusual bag um, because I just knew that you know how with international travel, it the worst thing that can ever happen to you is that you lose your bag. Yeah, and I bought this very very rare and and really weird bag. It was it was yellow and it was just so so unusual because I am paranoid about losing. And I and, and when Christine and I could travel to Thailand, we used to take a lot of valuable things over to our house, like really valuable and um, statues and rugs, and, and occasionally we'd bring things back into Australia. And when you come back into um, a country, sort of, and you've been flying all night, you are fairly delirious. And I was waiting for this rare yellow, super weird bag, and I saw it on the um, on the turnstile you know, on the on that big rotating thing. Mm. And, and I was so comfortable and confident amongst the thousands of bags that I saw it coming and I looked away and I said something to Christine and then when I looked back, the bag had gone. This is only just l- like last year. And I thought that's impossible because sometimes it can sort of, you can get other bags that sort of can be, moved around and mm. and then I looked back and then I could see the bag, the yellow bag and I felt very calm and relaxed and I knew that this was probably the only bag of its type on earth and it was a bit weird, like it was very bright and I, I was fairly self-conscious about having a bag so <laughs> garish and then Christine and I grabbed the bag and we got it home and I couldn't open it and I thought, oh, hang on a sec, I, I'm sure... This is the right combination. And I had to get a screwdriver and I had to force the lock of this bag. And it looked exactly... In fact, to me, it was our bag. No one on earth could have a bag like this. And when I popped the locks, it was full to the brim. I too, and Christine, we had to do this forensic, uh, highly stressful sort of... We had to examine every single thing in this bag, and what we found in this bag was so fucked up that I felt sick. We found about two thousand human teeth inside this bag, and these were used teeth. Can you believe it?
2: I, I mean, I think I think you've told me this before. So I, when you said, "What's weird is I what." It didn't sound familiar until you said "bag full of teeth," and it's mm. a testament to this show and how desensitised I am that I'm like, "Oh yeah, that <laughs> sounds reasonable." Yeah,
3: Paul, somehow or other, yeah, and I and I'm going to, I'm going to give Christine full credit here. She went because I was really stressed. I was when I get really stressed, I I pretty well unravel.
2: Well, anyone who's who's seen a live show of Loose Units. This is what's happening backstage, basically. Mm. Oh, you know? mate! If people were with, if they
3: had a secret camera a filming mess. me, it's really yeah.
2: bad, yeah. and 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 it's and it's
3: it's it's terrifying every time I go on stage. Really terrifying. Yeah. Um, but somehow or other, I don't know how Christine did it, but she managed to locate, and we got in touch with this dentist, and it was a happy ending. Not the type of happy ending at a massage parlour. It was a happy ending. But the thing is, Paul, and I come back to the point that we had to go back to the airport at Sydney and we had to go to a room and reclaim our bag because he got our bag and took it back to um, where they have all the lost property. Right. Now, when I went into this lost property room, I was confronted with a scene that, quite frankly... I I actually couldn't believe. There were hundreds and hundreds of bags. It was a nightmare. These are bags that get lost at airports. These are bags that arrive, and they shouldn't arrive. In other words, they're not connected to a passenger. And they all end up in these poor staff. That's their job to try and figure out. And that's where they use these keys, these universal keys. It, Anne's bag could well have ended up in a place like that and been forgotten about and ended up, and I'll tell you what happens with these bags and the contents, down the track, at least in Australia, they end up being auctioned. It's like unclaimed post. They have unclaimed post auctions all the time and some of the stuff they get, Rolex watches, incredible, you know, really, really expensive, valuable things and they just get lost. And these police did not have to go to this trouble. And dear Anne managed to get every single item bar one tablet. She got it all back. And when she called us, when we spoke to her a few mornings ago, she was on the train with her bag heading to Berlin. And I just think that's an extraordinary story.
2: At least the cops didn't open the bag and find it was full of teeth. I think that would have been... Exactly.
3: No. Now, the girl, her name's Fabian, Fabian, and she's the friend and she makes the jewellery. And Anne had actually purchased a fair bit of beautiful stuff off her and gifts, and she'd given a lot of the gifts away, but the earrings were still labelled in her suitcase and they were labelled, get ready for this, Fab Clay Design. Fab Clay Design. That's all that was on the label and just... Through those three words, these amazing police officers. Can I mention their names? Ah, uh, sure. Okay. Well, um, Jenny Schaefer and Sergei Lang, and they're of the Offenburg Bundespolice, thats federal police—and then look—it's yeah, it talks about exactly you know what group they were with and and all the uh, all the details. But um, you know, it's just it's incredible it's, it's i think it's a great story it shows how you can really go that extra mile in your job and i think it it, it you know these principles um and Anne's going to write to their because i've said look it's really really important that they get some kudos even though yeah, a lot of people might say look you know that's just their job but you know it's it's so wonderful and 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 because of this whole chain imagine if that guy hadn't have got on the train to steal the bag and all the wonderful things that have happened since and now here here are two guys in Australia talking about it on a podcast so
2: i guess we should be thanking the thief as well technically yeah well
3: through. he's he's he without him there is no story yep Absolutely. so i think it's pretty cool um paul Normally I wouldn't do this, but I think what I'd like to do for the listeners, I'd really, really love them to check out Anne's Instagram feed. So would I be able to give her her sort of the name of, of course. the feed? Yeah, why not? Why okay, not? so it's a it's it's a fairly tricky one. Um, I've written it down. It's um, three underscores. So underscore underscore underscore. Then the word escape. Then underscore. Then the word artist. Uh, So that's three underscores, escape, underscore artist. And if you check out her amazing travel blog, because Anne is a true, true international traveler. Um, But Paul, I think um, that story was well and truly worthy of a podcast.
2: Yep, me too. I'm really glad you told it. And if anyone has any weird travel stories they want to kind of hook us up with, crime-related or not, head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units. That pause was weird. Anyway, thank you so much, Dad, for the story. Thanks to Anne. Thanks to the police over in, I guess, I don't know what town they're in. I'm going to say somewhere in Germany. Oh, I've got the name of the town. Yeah?
3: Um. Okay, their town is called... Oh, here we go. Offenburg. Offenburg. Now, it was sort of around Offenburg and... And the next name of the town, ta- the, the next town that I'm going to mention is such a beautiful name. It's called Baden Baden, which I think sounds a lot better than Wogga Wogga, like Baden Baden. It's quite beautiful. Right. Anyway, so it was Offenburg or Baden Baden.
2: Okay, well, I feel like I'm in a Dr. Zeus book. But anyway, thank you so much for the story. And, and thanks for listening to this week's episode of Loose Units, Loose Ends. We will be back on Tuesday with an absolutely thrilling episode of Loose Unit's Origins. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon. Bye.
3: Cheerio.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United UnitedHealthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig.